All right. Welcome to the new era of the USL show. I am so excited to be doing this. We are missing two of our uh, new characters. One of them being a new character. One of them's, well, one of them's Ryan. We all know who that is. Um, <laughs> um, I am your host, Kaylor Hodges. And if you're watching the live stream, hello, down below me is a brand new face to the actual show, but you've seen him a thousands of times. And that is John. How you doing, man? Yeah, doing well. I'm really excited to kind of kick off the new era. And to his right is going to be Phil. Phil, how you doing? Doing well, Kaylor. You know, uh, yeah, just excited to to get into some preseason chat here and get this, uh, yeah, get this new this new era kicked off, as you said. And to my right and Phil's up, we have Ryan. <laughs> how you doing, man? Not Ryan, uh, Allen. You're it's not. all right. Ryan we get Allen. That, Ryan Allen. Allen. We get that confused all the time. Uh, yeah, doing all right. Uh, enjoying a nice, quiet evening. Uh, we have uh, last day of school today, so I survived, and now we're on winter break. So that's exciting to uh, not have to worry about uh, teaching kids who are crazy at the end of the year anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, you guys got out early. I never remember getting out that early whenever I was in public school wild huh anyway we have a whole lot planned for this episode and as always we'll probably get sidetracked because that's what we do but there's a lot of news going around the usl world today and these last couple days and we kind of wanted to catch you up on it and the biggest one that i kind of or the biggest one of the last few days when it comes to signings not not people who weren't signed, but signings is to me was uh, Kyle Murphy of going from 901 to Miami FC or the Miami FC. Sorry to disrespect anybody. Um, so if you guys had not seen Kyle Murphy is going down to Miami, which, hey, good for him. I love Miami. Um, this came as a bit of a shock, especially to a lot of 901 fans and uh, Craig Unger, the president of Memphis 901, um, released a statement yesterday or two days ago um, that said, we too are disappointed by the news of Kyle Murphy signing with Miami. It goes without saying, Kyle's record-breaking season was a major part of our success last season and was our first appearance in the USL playoffs. And for that, we will forever be grateful. We, we Be assured that we exhausted all options to keep him, including... Uh, offering the largest contract in club history. We wish Kyle the best. We remain committed to improving the squad in every possible way and competing for the USL championship. So there's a lot to go off with the signings, with the statements. I don't know where you guys want to start first. Um, which one Which one seems bigger to you guys? Well, I'm sad because I think this is one of the names that John mentioned for San Diego to take a look at. And so I was really bummed that uh, they did not read his uh, his beautiful write-ups and uh, suggestions for San Diego for the next year. Uh, yeah, I also thought the interesting part of that comment was the biggest contract in our history. Like, that doesn't mean a whole lot if you're not sure what their other contracts have been. 
um, you know, that's like a, it could be a fifth grader saying that's the most money I've ever spent. And it's like 10 bucks. Um, but I, I'd like to think that it was a pretty good contract, but when you're competing against a team like the Miami FC, uh, who we know, I, I don't want to get hate mail this early in the new, uh, in the new iteration, but, uh, I know that they have slightly deeper pockets than maybe the rest of the USL. Uh, so it might've been Memphis 901 offering, a contract and then Miami's just like we'll we'll beat it whatever it is just let us know we'll beat it um and you can't fault a player for following the money when it's their job and it's their livelihood and um I can't fault him for making the move um a little saucy from the GM but I think that just shows that he's also passionate about his club yeah you know when you mentioned the contract Something, I mean, obviously destination is also important. And I'm, this is going to be a little rich coming from me. I'm a Birmingham fan. It's very well documented, the history of Birmingham in 901. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that, Nicholas, you're a liar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But basically... 901 or Memphis, I I think it's pretty safe to say that Miami is a little bit more of a destination city than Memphis. I mean, Memphis has decent barbecue, decent history, you know, but I mean, it's Miami, you know, and it's, it's kind of one of those situations, but also I have a feeling that's a, it was a sizable contract. Don't forget last year, not only in a panic when they didn't have a lot of players, they went out and bought, uh, Roland Lamar, who had spent time with FC Cincinnati, with FC Dallas, um, Swansea City, and other top Belgian clubs. So he's used to making some money. Some tells me he didn't go to 901 making league minimum or even where close to that. If I had to guess, he's probably one of the few guys making closer to six digits a year, if I had to assume, because that's what he's used to making because he kind of came out of retirement for them. So some tells me it wasn't a small contract offered. Wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been the first time that Miami went out and got someone for, for big cash either. Um, I mean, Sebastian Velasquez's move was, was kind of like well-documented when he went from El Paso um, originally. And obviously, you know, he found his way back uh, to, to the sun city, but um but yeah, Miami, I mean, I think they've shown that they'll go out and they'll spend. And then for this, I mean, it's not a zero-sum game by any stretch of the imagination in USL, but taking 20 goals from a conference rival is, like, extremely significant. Um, and their top scorer had 11 last year in Francois, which is not a bad return by any stretch, but 20 is, you know, in a, in a different a different category. So I think the move is huge for Miami. I think it's well, potentially huge, obviously given, you know, if, if Murphy can replicate his form. Um, but as far as the statement, I love, I love this. I think this is, this is exactly what USL needs. Like we need the pettiness in the off season to, to keep us warm through these winter months until, until we get into, you know, the, you got to create the drama. Now we don't have games. We don't have, you know, refereeing decisions. We don't have, we don't have all the good things to carry us through the, the, the regular season. We've got to, we've got to cling to these, these petty moments. And, and for me, like, 
this this statement calling out the fact that they offered him a lot of money just like i think when kyle murphy visits memphis next season box office because the fans are going to have a field day so yeah they've, they've set up they've set up a nice little rivalry here and i i, lo- I love the statement because not because it was super professional or anything like that but because it's just it it adds the entertainment value for me yeah, get a little bit of like a rivalry going down in the uh, southern half of the Eastern Conference. I love Absolutely. to see it. But I think um, just kind of moving things more towards the on the field impact. Um, you hinted how big of a deal it is to see 20 goals moving to Miami. But I think that Murphy, in terms of his fit with the system that this team is moving to, couldn't be more perfect. I had done a thread earlier a couple of weeks ago uh, when they got Poulison as the manager he sort of tends to prefer this two striker system where you've got someone more nimble, a little bit more free flowing. So think about a Christiana Francois or a Billy Forbes on the current roster. And then they have a hold up kind of player, someone who's a little bit more cerebral plays off the back shoulder. I mean, talk about a perfect fit for that. Kyle Murphy is like a number one, if you're targeting that kind of guy. So Miami who in the past has like paid an $800,000 transfer free for Quadwopoku when they're in the NASL, like, of course, you're going to put the godfather offer for Kyle Murphy and take him away from Memphis. And I guess it's fine for them to be aggrieved. I don't know if I would have handled it in this public sort of way, but I'm here for what you said, like warming up the winter months a little bit. The mess. Not, it's worth the mess. If you're not a one fan, after last year where it was, they didn't have enough players to fill the squad, which is pretty much known on why they started so late. And they went without any kind of heads up or anything going on. There were no statements of, hey, we're trying. You know, it was kind of radio silence. Having at least a statement on, yo, we try. Don't think we didn't try. I think if I'm a 901 fan, it's like maybe the front office learned. That's kind of what I've taken away from this is maybe the front office is aware that they actually have to communicate with their fans. And if I'm a 901 fan, I'm just over the moon at that. I think that's one of the big things that we see right now with some teams making player announcements and some teams not. And there's like an overall frustration when your front office uh, is relatively quiet and all these teams are announcing players. It's like, at least announce something like, let us know that either you're trying something or you're bringing someone back. Uh, Even it's the slow roll, like here in San Diego, where it's like a player every other day or so, uh, even though you already heard the rumors about a bunch of people coming back. Um, but I, I just think it shows that your front office cares enough to be like, Hey fans, we hear you. We know you're going to be upset about this, but we're trying to, we're communicating with you when it's radio silent. I think that's when it really worries you. That's like, Hey, we lost this big guy and you're not saying anything like that. What are we doing guys? What are we doing here? Right. If we're going to pull a Taylor Twelman or whatever, like, what are we doing here? I think (laughs) I, I have to agree that like, I'd rather hear angry sassiness than like radio silence. Well, speaking of making announcements, player signings, there are a lot to go around, but I kind of want to start with the USLW. And a part of the USL show in this new era, we want to talk about the USL. This isn't the USL USL championship show. We have a lot to talk about. Indy 11 has announced that they have signed three players and that they have signed a coaching uh, coaching staff, I think it was an assistant coach and a head coach, which, you know, they are one of the one of the first 
teams that I've seen, they're not the first team to make a player signing, but they're the first team to have pretty much a full coaching staff and some players who could actually go out there and play, which, you know, for Indy, you know, that's around, you know, John's neck of the woods. That's kind of, that's kind of your area. I don't know if you know anything about any of the names or whatever, but as an Indy fan, you know, how's it kind of make you feel knowing that Indy's kind of on the front foot of this? No, I absolutely love to see it. And I think what struck me about both the coaching and player signings is that pretty much everyone had really distinct local connections. Um, the head coach, Delinsky, went to Carmel, which is a northwest suburb where I actually used to live. Um, three of the players who were signed, one of them went to Butler, which is just downtown Indy, and two of them from the sort of northern part of the state. So I frankly can't speak to the quality of whether the coach or the player signings, although, I mean, they all seem to have really good pedigrees, but just being on the front foot, getting engaged in this sort of way and doing it with these choices that are trying to really connect with people across the entire soccer team or scene in the state of Indiana is really just a nice sign to see. And as someone who's not been back home there for a little bit now, it sort of builds that sense of community in a way that is really lovely. You know, something that I really enjoy seeing, and I hope all USLW or all USL Super League teams do, is I love that Indy 11 and a lot of other teams, I think Greenville did it and maybe Tormenta, maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head. They don't have separate W accounts. They don't have separate Super League accounts. It's all one team. And I think that is probably the smartest thing that a team could do to build up hype for the women's game because unfortunately the women's game is going to have a little bit of an uphill battle and i hate that but it's also because they're new clubs and putting it right there and saying we are the same team we are the same club i think it's massive and should i think just about everybody should do it whenever they have their club yeah i think i think the the overall feel of USL encouraging its members to build entire clubs in this, in more of the sense, like we think about it, you know, like historically in Europe and stuff where the club is the men's team, the youth teams, the women's team, like it, it's all a part of, of the same club. And, and I think USL has actually done a really good job at, incentivizing its teams to take that approach rather than you know making partnerships with local teams just to like whatever get some academy players or something like that they're they're actually building up the the academy teams they're building up the women's teams um and i'm just excited about where it goes from here because it it's certainly encouraging to see teams like indy really leaning into it embracing it making announcements um and I'm just hoping that that the rest of the league is following following suit here because I know selfishly I'm you know looking forward to to when there's a a locomotive uh, women's side as well. So um, yeah, just uh, just I think the the holistic approach that USL is is taking um, with its members is is really encouraging. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there with the the idea of a club. Like we just need some handball teams. Uh, maybe like a track and field but i know i mean that's what you nailed it that's what those that's what club really was it was a collection of these sporting teams that got together and 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 having things in-house kind of working and pulling in the same direction means that you're not fighting over things you're 
hopefully you're cohesive in the front offices um, and you are uh, working together to create an environment of, of success. I mean, I think that's one of the, the drawbacks when you have like a Louisville where you have NWSL and the USL is you might not have that same cohesion and that same like shared vision of where your teams might be. Uh, and then you're kind of competing in that market as opposed to working together to both grow soccer locally in your community as well. Uh, so I, I really like that. Um, I'm hoping that there's a little bit of that here in San Diego. There's a little bit of nerves here about that. Uh, the same thing with some with, with Angel City uh, and what they're doing in LA uh, is phenomenal. Um, and you want to see that synergy in those communities um, as opposed to like fighting for eyes. You're working together. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Louisville and and uh, racing. Um, Louisville City and uh, racing Louisville, if you don't know, racing is – they're all part of the same front office. They are all one unity, basically, but they didn't attack it as one thing. And while there is a lot of – you check the social media, they're always posting about each other. They're always together because they are essentially kind of one club. But if you look at just the social media following, which shouldn't but does translate to the in-person following, they are vastly different. And I think maybe racing's following would have been a little bit better if they would have taken the approach of making it one club. That said, the racing merch and the crest and everything like that is gorgeous. And I'm glad that racing is its own thing, but you also see the downsides of not going all in one, unfortunately. And I do wonder how much of that, the NWSL actually plays a part in terms of like making unique brands and that sort of thing. Cause we've seen it with Orlando before as well, where they didn't, you know, it's, it's the same entity, but they didn't combine the branding in, in terms of being, you know, Orlando city, um and so yeah i'm not sure if that's something that you know that would be a whole separate discussion about how the nwsl does business but um but no i think uh i think combining or the way the usl has taken the the approach i'm i'm excited and yeah it's it's cool to see clubs like indy 11 that have been around for such a long time you know in the in the lower league soccer landscape here in the u.s like taking these strides you know, speaking of another team that has a USLW squad, that is uh, Greenville. Uh, the Greenfield Triumph made a huge splash today with uh, Lucas Coutinho going uh, from Tulsa to uh, Greenville, which I'm almost positive Lucas was down in Tormenta for a year or two. But when he came to Tulsa, he looked good and better than just good. I thought he was easily championship quality and should be starting at a lot of clubs, including Tulsa. The fact that he made a move to Greenville absolutely kind of shakes up the scene to me. Um, I know we don't have Gio, which wish we would have had him here so we could hear him gush about, about this signing. But for you guys um, especially, um, and obviously me as well, we mainly follow – the championship for me as a person who mainly follows the championship, this is just shocking seeing a guy move down like this, especially after a pretty good season. 
I think the thing of it with him in Tulsa was just the competition he had in that midfield, especially given the system that they sort of were running with in Tulsa. They tended to prefer, and I've been watching a lot of their film back recently, uh, preparing to do a sort of blog post thing. They tend to play deeper lying central midfielders, whereas Lucas Coutinho is very much like an upfield number 10 kind of creator. And so if they're sticking with that system, it made sense for him to move on. But you totally hit the nail on the head that he's definitely up to the level of the championship. Um, very limited game time, but he was like in the 80th, 90th percentile for expected goals and expected assists at his position. He's someone who has a lot of creativity and the parallel I've made mentally in terms of that championship down to league one transition would be what Aaron Malloy did going from Portland to forward Madison, where um, he was very, very good for Portland and he was basically dominant. I uh, did like the goals above average numbers for league one. And he was, I think my third best player in the entire league. And I think you could see a very similar impact that Lucas uh, Coutinho would bring to the table for uh, Greenville. So something exciting for those fans for sure. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, it kind of caught me off guard in terms of, I like Tulsa's migration from West to East after, after their change. Like, obviously I got slightly disconnected from them. Um, but even playing them this year, I was a little surprised just given the fact that it felt like when he played, he was involved in the goals. So it, it, it just always kind of caught me off guard when he wasn't involved. So for Tulsa, I think, uh, Obviously, as John said, a little bit of maybe just not the right fit. I'm a little bit interested that there wasn't championship interest um, like elsewhere, uh, you know, because there are plenty of teams that play with tens and, and especially, you know, looking for for goal providers from that position. But, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a coup for Greenville. And I think, it too, it, it just shows the project that Harks has at Greenville is like attractive enough to have a player move down from the championship, not in the sense that, Oh, I want to go, you know, play at a lower level or something like that, but because they, they see the value in, in playing for, for John Harks and, and playing for a contender, like a perennial contender as well. Um, and I don't know that Greenville will always be in league one, not to turn this into a pro rel discussion, but it could, it could come before USL starts pro rel because Greenville has like built quality sides in league one. And I think, you know, now we're seeing that they're, they're looking to, to increase that quality even further. You know, I'm mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just be curious to see if it's just kind of a, I want to get a bunch of minutes for a contender to kind of raise my stock back up again and maybe get another look. I mean, we see guys do this with, you know, these fringe MLS guys or guys who have been injured in MLS, go back to go to the championship, have a really good season and then get another shout in the MLS uh, or, you know, a French league. Um, but I, I think that there's some, uh, I think there's, there, there's some things there that make it attractive to play in league one because it is uh, for a competitive team, uh, there is some some talent there that you're playing up against, so it's not like you're disappearing off the face of the earth to go play League One, especially a League One like Greenville. Uh, so it just seems maybe like, hey, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to get quality minutes, I'm going to get my head right, I'm going to get my game right, and then you know see where I am maybe halfway through the season, maybe all the way through the season, and get another look from a championship team who's willing to invest in you after seeing 
you know, what you can do with a team like Greenville. You know, the, uh, Phil, you mentioned the work that the Harks and co have done up in Greenville. And let me tell you that place is crazy for the triumph. I, you know, I've, I think I told it on here before, but I definitely told it on my podcast before of the fact that, you know, I went up to Greenville. That's where I got engaged this last summer. And a, I went to a Greenville match and even, even on a Wednesday night against one of the worst teams in the in, in the league and reduced numbers, I'm pretty sure for COVID it was loud. I mean, it was one of the craziest uh, USL crowds I've ever been around. So, I mean, it's, it's up there. And not just that, even when we were up there on non-game days, it was not a game day. There were no new signings. The amount of Greenville shirts, the amount of Greenville jerseys I saw around town, there are just posters and everything everywhere. And it's not even just near the, it's not even just near the strip. It is on the outside of towns at local businesses that are on the opposite side of town and everything like that. Greenville is kind of a triumph city and the work that he's done there. And yeah, maybe uh, Coutinho go into a place like that where he can, he can build up his reputation again, just a little bit, even though I didn't think it was that hurt. It was just maybe not as the absolute highest and not only go to league one to build up that reputation, be treated kind of like a God in the meantime, because he is going to be absolutely adored in the upstate. But all that said, going from one championship winner slash contender to another, uh, Orange County has announced pretty much everybody is <laughs> – sorry, that uh, if you're listening to the podcast, there is a topic down at the bottom. I was not ready for absolutely caught me off guard. That's funny. It says cores aren't just for Ben and Jerry. That's what the cores are. Orange County brings back like – everyone <laughs> and honestly kind of seeing what they did and kind of turning the year around and now seeing those names re-signed for them it's like oh they're about to be here for a long long time um alan you follow the club closer than i do you know what do what do these guys mean and it's not just is it just the goal scoring or the shot stopping or is there a lot of cultural stuff going on here too I mean, I think it speaks to how happy these players are in Orange County. Um, and the, the, I mean, winning a championship is one thing, but I think that they're happy with the style of play. Um, especially Damas has been basically given the keys to the vehicle just to make magic happen pretty much every game. And if you're a young player who wants to make big splashes and show how good you are, Orange County is a good team to do it because uh, they're letting him run. And I think it speaks to kind of, the culture of that team where they like youth, they like uh, building uh, careers. They don't mind when you move on. Uh, they will sell you in a heartbeat if they get a good offer. We saw that with Chris Weehan moving back to New Mexico. Um, and I think with uh, Kaningas and with um, Rakowski, these guys mentioned in interviews that they were looking to get the United States. They were excited to be here. Um, I mean, Rakowski's got a, a laundry list of, 
playing in, in Germany and it's, it's a pretty impressive career, but he, he wants to be here. Uh, he's phenomenal. I really like, I really, really like Keningas. If you haven't had a chance to see him play, uh, he's a fun player. He plays on the edge a lot. Um, he is exciting. He plays with a lot of joy, which is always fun. Uh, but Orange County needs guys like this uh, to, to play the way they like to play. Um, and then it's really exciting to see Kobe Henry uh, really coming along. Got a little shout with the men's national team. Uh, really rough at the beginning of the season, but really turned it around. So having these kind of guys that they can bring back from a championship team, uh, it means a lot for that franchise that it's not just, hey, we won, everyone leave, um, especially a guy like Damas. I would be surprised if he is long for the USL championship, but I know that there's international spots and all sorts of things to take in consideration for MLS. But what a platform to have uh, a, a, a guy like Damas winning the MVP, being on ESPN, being interviewed. Uh, it just shows kind of how diverse the league is, um, even just the lang- language barriers that we have to get through. Uh, but I know Orange County is really big on on keeping their core uh, and developing that youth. Uh, so they they got a they got both of those I think in, in these uh, these signings that they brought back. I'm really curious to hear John's thoughts because like I'm I'm I don't know if I'm like too close to this or or what. I just need to I need to hear the the bias or the unbiased third party. Yeah, so I mean, if you think about the four guys that they announced are coming back, it's such a solid spine to be building off of. Like, Damas is one of the elite forwards in the USL. Um, I don't know if you know the website TransferMarked, which sort of has, like, loose estimates for player value. They just did a big update for USL, and they have Damas as the most valuable player in the league, like, ahead of even, like, a Jose Gallegos, who's in that similar sort of youth category. So I think, Alan, you made a really good point that he is not going to be long for Orange County. I think the signings that they've made so far sort of are a dual thing where on the pitch you couldn't ask for a better striker than Damas. Rakowski is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Kobe Henry is as high potential as pretty much any young player that there is. Um, I'm not as high as Ganingas, but I think he's a perfectly legitimate winger for this team. He'll continue to contribute in the next season. But again, it's that value of like Kobe Henry is going to get sold for a silly transfer fee at some point, especially given that domestic status. Damas, like I said. So like you're combining this short-term highest possible level of competitiveness for really solid players with that longer-term upside. And I really think that's the beauty of the Orange County model and something that if you're any other team in this league, you should be really trying to emulate. Yeah, I think it I I think like my um main thought in terms of Orange County is it's one of those teams that kind of like league-wide goes under the radar for how well it's run. Like not necessarily always like um on-field whatever product matching kind of what's going on behind the scenes, but the um they seem to like do a really good job of thinking through what they're going to do, having good plans around players, like succession planning, that sort of thing, like going out and making deals, even with, with Rangers, all the, all these different, like, like they're trying a lot of unique things like in USL. And I think it's, I think it speaks to kind of how they've gone about building this, what ended up being a championship roster. 
I think now, like the the interesting thing is there's there's no debating that obviously Orange County went out and they did what they needed to do in the playoffs. I think the question marks like will come back if the regular season takes on the same like view that it did this past year. Cause, and I'm not trying to like crap on what orange County did by any stretch of the imagination, but the regular season was not like great. And there were a lot of low points like throughout that, throughout that regular season. Yeah. They a lot fired of different their coach. Impacts. Right. No. And that's it. But even, even down the stretch, there were a couple of times where I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, they're losing like four, one to Tacoma. I'm like, who is this orange County side? Like, are they, you know, cause we, uh, I say we locomotive went to orange County and played like it was a brutal game. Orange County were all over them for, for the, for the, you know, and they got locomotive got a late equalizer. Um, but then there were some like soft results, but then they beat Phoenix. They're, they're just kind of all over the place in terms of results. And I think if they can build some consistency next season, and I think they've got some work to do, like this core is a, is a great start. I think they've got a lot of work ahead of them in terms of building a, a legitimate like top of the West type um, contender. I think, you know, they've got the start of, of, of definitely a team that, that you'd expect to go back to the playoffs this year. I think the question mark is, you know, can they build something with like true depth across, uh, across the whole of a, of a regular season, but certainly, certainly off to a great start. And I, I, I'll hold my hands up and say, I thought Thomas was, was going to be off to, to greener pastures so retaining him i think is 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 a, a big step for orange county so um yeah but yeah i, I think, think work to be done still for sure and i think that there's some there are some uh detractors for the way they play um you know it's a little bit jose Mourinho. my dog is very upset <laughs> at the play of orange county uh, i think you know landon donovan got some crap for some of the stuff he said about you know if we played like that at home we wouldn't be happy um but it gets the job done, right? Like it gets the W's. They beat San Diego to basically tie up that second place position. I do think there are some bugs to work out. I think when you are kind of defend, 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 lop it up to the fast guy who can score. Um, I, I think that there are some question marks if that's the, the the best way to go about business. But if when you win the cup, it kind of just it's like, all right, well, you won the cup. So clearly it worked for you that time. But again, PKs to get by Oakland. Uh, it wasn't super convincing. Uh, Rakowski comes up big with one save. Um, yeah, I think long-term regular season, Orange County has a tough, a tough, uh, you know, setup. But I think it's definitely one that's built to to win a one-off playoff game. You know, you only need that magic to happen once, and keep a clean sheet, and you're on to the next game. Or even even than that, like you don't even need the magic to happen once. You just got to defend and get to nil-nil, and hope Rakowski comes up with a couple of big saves. So I, I think this is the debate we have with Phoenix fans is, especially in the West, is does the regular season matter? And when you build your team to win the regular season to get the best playoff position, you know, you can make an argument. But I think Orange County is looking at it like we just got to get to the playoffs. And then once we get to the playoffs, we know we got a really good shot at winning the cup because of how we play soccer. I yeah, do love that um, USL is like in a place to say, <laughs> where fans of teams are critical of that style of play because that used to be like lump it up to the big fast forward used to be the only style of play. And now the fact that we're the fact that we're talking about, you know, fans not being happy about not like having possession at home and that sort of thing. Like that's, that's like a tactical step up from, from I think where USL probably was a few years ago. 
Yeah, Phil, you had described it as like a brutal style of play when you're talking about the locomotive game. I think that's really hard to sustain over the course of a 30 plus match regular season. So you've kind of all hit the nail on the head of this team is kind of optimized for a playoff run where you can just sit back, defend. You've got the entire week of rest instead of this like brutal run of like, having a Wednesday game a couple weeks in a row. And when you're a team that relies on a Michael Orozco, uh, Kevin Olsted, and those kind of guys who are getting up there in age a little bit, I, I mean, you obviously think that they have the talent to run it back and kind of glide to the playoffs, but just given the style, given that sort of thing, maybe not. And I do think that um, if you're trying to target who maybe the next wave of signings would be, I would be looking to uh, Eric Cavillo as like a number one on the list of someone that they need to bring back because he's the salve to that reliance on the lumping it up to Domus kind of style where unlike pretty much every other player on this side, he's capable of picking the ball up pretty deep, driving it forward on the dribble or on a pass in a way that you don't even see from like an Oloski sort of player. So he'll be really key. And he's got that international experience as well, where I think that maybe you could be seeing some eyes um, on him from higher levels. I know he had a stretch in San Jose, but he's a really talented player and I wouldn't be shocked to see some interest. Do you know who Orange County reminds me of? And this is a reference that probably only one person listening is going to be like, ah, I get it. They so much remind me of this year's Atlanta Braves where Mm. they kind of go out, they kind of do their thing. They look awful in the regular season. And, you know, whether it's by luck or skill or a combination of both, you know, they get into the playoffs and then, their combination of veterans and maybe not it's not a sexy system but they have like sexy players that do the thing when they need when you need them to do it like i feel like this year's okay or or orange county i almost said okc they're not around anymore um um orange county (laughs) (laughs) um orange county and atlanta braves teams those championship teams are I don't think they're that different, especially when you see that they're not traditional, but you could see a lot of teams going to gravitate to make that the new thing. But Dom, on the- Domus as Drogba playing for Mourinho, that's that's the <laughs> the the steel and silk, I guess. I do just want to get off the real quick take that Ben and Jerry's cores aren't very good. Ooh. I there's one in my refrigerator or in my freezer right now. Uh, Maybe I will uh, eat some tonight and then do some hot takes uh, on Twitter later. Uh, I just know that they're there. I'm not I'm not a core fan. I like the half baked uh, more than anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, if we want to turn this an ice cream podcast, I am down to go like (laughs) I am chubby. I love ice cream like we can talk for hours. Doesn't love ice cream. Lactose intolerant uh, people, I think. Well, I think yeah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, they they might still love it though. That's the thing. Well, ben and Jerry's does make a pretty good non-dairy ice cream. I've they had do. some of that as well. Because as I get older, great. I need a little bit less and less dairy in my diet. So I gotta mix <laughs> up the ice creams. Good thing is there's there's no scratch and sniff on the podcast, so I can just keep eating all I want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving away from ice cream, I guess there's no good segue for that. Um, well, from one core to another, from one core to another, or the opposite of being ice cold. Let's talk about 
Tampa Bay, I guess. Um, I don't, whatever. Tampa Bay just announced. Hey, that was smooth. That was smooth. <laughs> yeah, that was fine. Yeah, Trust your instincts, Kayla. Trust your instincts. Trusting my instincts has gotten me into a lot of places I don't recommend. Uh, <laughs> um, USL after dark. <laughs> um, so Tampa Bay goes and announces like nine players. And I, this is where I'm going to toss it over to John pretty quickly because John was down, kind of, you know, worked pretty closely with Tampa Bay this year. Um they weren't really clear on who was and wasn't coming back. They kind of mentioned who was the options were, but they didn't say if like people who were still under contract. So guys like Forrest Lasso, are they still on the team? Are they not? Cause they weren't mentioned in the article, but they also weren't mentioned as leaving. So what's going on? You know, what's, what's kind of the deal down there, John? So I can, Sort of hint that I know at least one of the kind of bigger names who hasn't been mentioned yet is probably out the door, but I don't know a ton about the roster retention. I did find it a little bit concerning that when you have Lasso, Guillen, Hilton, Gonzati, Fernandez having absolutely no commentary on those guys, that's, if not a red flag, it's just something that's a little bit confusing. And it could be the classic, like, dribble in the signings as you go along in the offseason to really kind of drum up the hype. At the same time, some of the names that you saw retained are a big deal. I mean, Jan Ekra is amazing. Jordan Scarlett is so key to what this team does defensively. Steven Dos Santos is proven time and time again. Lucky Kosana is a fan favorite. Like, there's a lot of big names here. Um, in terms of the exits, Evan Loro is obviously a big deal. You've got to think that he's got an MLS opportunity or something coming off of the season that he just had in goal. And especially given that in that title game, you had the sequence where the Rosarena miscommunication and kind of shoddy back pass led to the Adamas goal. Um, I'd also point to Zach Steinberger as somebody who, while he didn't necessarily play a big role in what Tampa was doing, he's going to go somewhere in USL and tear it up next season just because that's what he does. He's a really talented player who didn't get a ton of run out this year, but I love like dating back to his indie time. So I think there's just a lot of storylines out of Tampa right now when you think about this first wave of announcements. Well, it's interesting, too, to see the the tack that every team takes. Like, obviously, we were talking before about how you can, like you said, dribble in the signings and, and kind of go one one by one. But Tampa Bay's approach here is a little bit different in that they, like, waited – they like they definitely waited for some more signings to kind of pile up so they could make this big announcement, it seems. So the fact that they've left some players out from making any definitive statements, it kind of makes me feel like they're still working on a couple of them. And I think Lasso is probably the one where it's like they're trying. I'd have to imagine they're trying to get a deal done, but maybe he's got some like other opportunity or maybe he's trying to like drum up in interest or whatever. But the, the reality here is that I, I think if they were spreading them out, they would have already started spreading these like early announcements out. And so this does make me think that, and it, I mean, as soon as Lasso's name wasn't in the announcement, I know my, 
by El Paso folks were blowing up about like is Lasso available? <laughs> like that was, like, you know. So like now the free agent, the free agent chase of silly season is uh, is, is upon us, and and some of these names might get tossed in the mix. Who who Tampa Bay haven't addressed? Yeah, this is when you get your hopes up that your team will sign one of these guys, and they'll inevitably end up in Miami or Phoenix. Yeah, you you're. <laughs> Just I'm, Alan just crushing the dreams of <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to hope that somehow Forrest Lasso ends up in Birmingham. We play the three man back line that I've always dreamed of and everything's gonna be great. I can get out my Forrest Lasso jersey from years ago. And the only thing that's gonna make me say there's a chance is just the fact that he's never played uh west of the Mississippi River. So and Hey, you know what? If he wants to go to Legion and tow the line a little bit further and go a little bit further every single year, I will gladly be on this pit stop. I'm cool with that. <laughs> now, for our West Coast listeners, that is the Mississippi River, just so we're, we're not confused that there's a different river. But that's just for our West Coast fans. Uh, I also think Phoenix has already done there. We're going to poach someone from a Western Conference rival signing. So maybe uh, people are safe from that another poach. But I would not put it past Phoenix to try and get another splash signing, uh, especially maybe a backline guy. Um, but yeah, this is the time where people go absolutely nuts about guys landing on random clubs. And who knows, maybe, uh, you know, League One Charlotte comes through with a weird signing or two. Um, who knows? Weirder things have happened, right? It's the USL. Charlotte this is what, spending? No, this no. Is, this, <laughs> this is where, I mean, this is where we're into like team oh, chaos, hey. right? We got to root for chaos. This is John. We said signing, not paying. Very different things. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so this is where this is where Evan Loro actually ends up in Omaha, and we're all just confused. <laughs> so this is all. Yeah, this is basically free agent talk at this point, and there's a lot of interesting free agents. Loro being a big one Forrest lasso whatever's going on there is he all right because they didn't include people who were already under contract only people who had options extended i think that's the way it read to me but lauro is obviously gone they had a good buy post for him and everything they usually don't post that for people who are coming back um other people uh legion fans have been spamming our small circle of Johnny Dean being out there. Um, John and Benton going straight for my heart today, saying that he was going to sign for loose city and which I would throw up on the spot. Um, but what about some other notable free agents that you guys can think of off the top of your head? Cause I have one more that I think, could really shake up the USL world if they actually saw how good he was. And I'm really hoping Legion bring him back. And that is a youngster, Jaden Cervania. He is a Birmingham guy from Birmingham is 19 years old, maybe just turned 20 is already getting senior caps for the Puerto Rican national team. And if you recognize the last name, he is the brother of Brandon Cervania. He is insane, and I personally thought he was the better of the two players between him and Junior Flemings, if I'm being completely honest. And I didn't; th- he didn't get enough playing time last year, and now he's now 
no longer under contract. If he ends up in the USL somewhere, that's not Birmingham. He is going to make every other team regret not signing him. He is really good. Uh, what about what's the deal with JJ Williams at this point? Um, so my assumption is that JJ is looking at MLS options. He just had a baby. Um, so some tells me he's going to be looking for the pay raise. Um, and minimum wage in the MLS is going to be higher than minimum wage here. Grant, I think he was on something higher than that. But if I'm assuming he's looking for a step up somewhere because he can, I think he showed that he could. But I would be very shocked if he goes to another USL club. But if he does, it's going to be a place like Miami, Phoenix, or some other big spending club. He's not going to end up at somewhere like he's not going to end up at Hartford or and watch me eat my words and he ends up exactly there. But <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of place he's going to end up. Yeah, just I'm, kind of pivoting to a couple more free agent names. Um and keying in on guys who were like formally like out of contract rather than the sort of nebulous maybe they're in, maybe they're not. Um, I know an indie Nick Moon who can play really anywhere on that right flank could be a great signing for pretty much any team. And I know I think uh Kayla, you maybe had mentioned him in the context of Birmingham. I mean, if Dean does leave, he's about as good of a replacement as you could hope for. Um, Indy also has Kevin Partita and Toby Adewole, who are long-term USL studs, who I think could really make an impact. Uh, Phil, you had mentioned Alexis Swahi from Louisville as a potential target down for the locomotive. I think he could make an impact pretty much anywhere. And then uh, Hopano and Kyle Grieg as well from Louisville, two really good attacking players. Um, love both of them. I think if there's one name that sort of goes under the radar and we got to give some love to the MLS two sides at some point today, I assume, uh, would be Jake LaCava from New York oh. Red Bulls too. He's out of contract and he is dynamite. Just a really great creative player. I uh, can do it basically anywhere in that sort of attacking midfield band. I think he deserves an, a shot starting somewhere week in week out in the USL because he's just fantastic to watch. The, uh, the Nick Moon situation is really interesting too because it's indie fans will probably be questioning like why. And the reality is that Lowry does not use wingers. So they're like, there's basically nowhere for him to play. Like, if he wants to convert to a fullback, like that would have been an option. But yeah, he so, um, that's the the preview for for indie fans of like traditional wingers are not gonna are not gonna play in a in a Lowry side but yeah him being available is I think kind of shocking if you if you said that at the start of last season um that Nick Moon would be a free agent by the end of by the end of the season like that that would catch a lot of people off guard with the way he burst on the scene so um yeah I think he's an intriguing an intriguing option for a lot of teams but um but yeah I think I think to a lot of the players that come to mind, like, or the situation that comes to mind is like OKC energy. They have all these players and they're not going to play. (laughs) And I can't imagine all of them are going to be willing to, you know, shelve themselves for a year and just train. So I'd imagine like maybe some loans start like coming out of OKC. Um, But yeah, I mean, 
uh, you had mentioned, you had mentioned John, the Swahi, uh, and I, I gotta give a shout out to my co-host on seriously loco Mika Burrell, who wrote that piece. Um, yeah, Alexis way he has a, as a potential option. And then, um, uh, yeah, well, Jake Ehrman, I guess from Charlotte, depending on what Charlotte does with their players and yeah. So a few, a few options out there, but, um, I, I think too, we're probably just a couple of weeks away from a lot of these situations being a little more fleshed out and maybe some bigger, some even bigger names kind of hitting the market um, in January. I'm curious. I, Lambert wasn't announced with the monstrosity of Phoenix bringing like 12,000 people back, right? So uh, he's the first person in my mind when I'm thinking of the nebulous, like there's no comment. It's him and Solomon Asante. Like yeah. they've not commented on either of them, which is crazy. Especially just, like, I, I think, you know, watching Phoenix over the past couple of years, Lambert being a huge like talisman, I think even, even as equal to a Moar or a Asante as, as far as success on the pitch. Um, so I'm super curious to see if he gets a look somewhere, if they're just trying to f- like find a number that works for him and that works for the team. Um, or if someone's going to try and poach him, um, he's, I, he's a great player. He's someone that you don't like to see in the lineup when he was out for a little bit, it was like a, and then like all of a sudden he's back and you're like, dang it. Why are you back? Um, <laughs> national team experience so i'm very curious to see where he ends up um i was very yeah i think they announced like 12 people coming back with a couple extra names and they've dropped some signings since then so it's like you're looking what 15 like you're pushing like with with a bunch of starters too so it's like does he have a room does he have room there like anymore or is it going to be phoenix again where they have a starting 11 and a backup 11 that could probably make the playoffs so let's let's go through the fantasy world that Asante is not at Phoenix. There is something in my mind and in my heart that's telling me Detroit City. <laughs> Boy. I do they spend like that? Twitter would not survive. No, but <laughs> Twitter would not exist if that move happen they would have to shut the platform down they would the thing is is that detroit city all they do is win and they won't be able to do it with the majority of the players on their squad for them to come out and do what detroit city fans are used to they're gonna have to do something big and i have a feeling that at least one of at least one of these big signings ends up going up to Detroit City. Not only because they want to win, but just to make the other Nisa fan bases shut up. Like, I feel like it's going to be such an F you and middle finger to Nisa as they're leaving. Uh, I've, I, There's just something telling me, man, that one of these big signings is going there. I think, I think we're still, I think we're still about, to learn like what Detroit city USL championship edition looks like. Um, because we haven't seen really anything in the way of what like a, a roster or like, you know, 
anything like match focused uh like it's all been about the move and about you know getting gearing up and all the all these things and um yeah i just think that uh i don't know i i'm not sure that detroit city is going to splash the cash in the first off season but um they have like you said they've they've won at every level they've been at um so Maybe they maybe they go out and and try to pull off a blockbuster, but I think traditionally they've they've been able to operate like really locally and build squads like out of you know known quantities in the Detroit area and like in in the like greater Michigan area. This is going to take like a different level of like talent ID and and all those things to to build a a championship squad, but. I mean, yeah, if they went out and got Asante, that would, I mean, that would make my whole year because it would just, the 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 fume on Twitter would just never end. Yeah, I mean, Harry's right. The The rising fan base would explode. But something, something that I think makes it a little bit different is the fact that Memphis exists. And I know that sounds like a backhanded, backhanded way of saying this, but Memphis' head coach, was once a Detroit City head coach, and their style has not changed much between coaches. It's been the Detroit City style, you know? And that whole idea of trying to create something locally and trying to pull up players locally, I think that's what took Memphis so long to sign players last year, is that he tried to play things just like he did at Detroit City, and realized there aren't a lot of second-tier players in the United States that are just sitting in your backyard, like there maybe are in D3 or lower. So I think just the fact that they know someone tried to do what they are doing, I think that maybe they may do something that is untraditional to them. I could see them targeting. I think there's actually a solid number of guys with like Michigan ties in the USL. I know Fataya Lache, who was with Sacramento last season and got let go. Nick Moon, right? Record. Yeah, I think so. Um, Zach Carroll, Benefemu, who uh, got let go by Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Like, you can build a decent core off of those kind of guys. Will they splash on some of the higher ends to really kind of solidify them as a playoff team? I mean, based on what I've been hearing now, it seems like it. Will it be an Asante? Maybe not, but it's certainly, yeah, I think they're going to be a competitive team. And the the quick the quick addendum is that Nick Moon's from Wisconsin, lest we lest we invite any uh, any Michigan hate. Um, <laughs> like he's from uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, so. Um, so yeah he had, a, he had a season in lansing that's what it was okay i knew uh, i didn't make yeah. that up yeah. i was like <laughs> and again for our west coast fans wisconsin and michigan are different states <laughs> yeah, one has cheese curds <laughs> oh man so all that kind of i think that kind of wrapped up a little bit of free agent talk we can we can have the same conversation you know and several times in this offseason we probably will because somebody's going to sign we're going to be like how in the world has this person not signed yet um you know now it's time to get to kind of the fun part i know it's kind of late in the podcast but it's it's that time of the year we are getting to it's christmas time 
you know, we have a Santa's list and we have some requests for either the USL or our teams themselves, depending on if somebody else gets the gift or whatnot. So I want to start off with the person who had this idea. Uh, John, what's the number one thing on your Santa's list, on your Christmas list for the USL? Well, if we're going like high in the sky, pro-rel, but I w- <laughs> I think the philosophy is to try to keep it a little bit more realistic. And that's selfishly, I'm kind of just hoping for an active offseason in terms of player movement. Give me some storylines. Give me something to pay attention to over the winter months. Give me Solomon Asante to Detroit, that sort of thing, <laughs> just to keep me engaged. I love following the league. I love covering the league. So... Uh, do what you can to kind of keep up that vibe. All right, Phil, what's on your USL slash? I I guess you live near Detroit, but also you're El Paso. What what is what even is your Christmas list? Where is Santa based for you besides <laughs> the North Pole? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm out I'm out here in in Northwest Ohio, so um, yeah, just an hour south of Detroit. So I'll I'll certainly be getting involved in 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 the madness of Detroit city's first, uh, first championship season. So hoping for, hoping for them building, building something, um, on the field to match, to match what they built off the, off the field, I think, um, you know, they've had a winning squad in Nisa. So, so seeing that translate and not seeing sort of the, some of the stumbles that we've seen in the past from, from teams, uh, making that step up from, or, you know, even sometimes lateral moves into the championship. Um, USL, the USL focus thought, I guess, you know, what not this, you know, not dissimilar to John is just active off season and hoping more of this drama. I want more, I want more of the mess, more of the, more of the drama like Memphis created. Um, and then the locomotive, the locomotive wish list. this is, this is uh, more like, player focus as i'm thinking ahead to the season and it's really around three players that they did retain all all pretty big names diego luna who obviously burst on the scene last year um sebastian velasquez and dylan maris all returning to the team next year so my christmas my christmas wish is that john hutchinson the new manager at locomotive finds a way for them all to make an impact on the team at the same time um because I think last season we saw Dylan Maris still had an extremely productive season, like seven assists um, in what I would consider limited minutes um, because of the impact of, of Luna and definitely limited minutes in his favored number 10 position. So it'll be really interesting to see how, what, what Hutch does. Um, And I am, I am taking this opportunity to begin calling John Hutchison Hutch. Um, We're not, like cool like that yet but um he's hutch now so anyways if hutch can figure out how to get those three guys on the field all at the same time and contributing um that is that is my christmas wish because i don't want to see any of those guys go to waste um with the new boss coming in so alan you're in a weird position when it comes to this whole thing because you're san diego you're you are a loyal fan but you're on a podcast for a team that just won a championship 
what are you wishing for right now? Is it for your team to win or is it for your side team to win again? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. If it could stay in California, just come a little bit further South. That'd be great. Um, the one player that I think uh, I was looking to see that San Diego retain is Jack Metcalf. And he was really, he was uh, retained just recently, not because I think he's necessarily like the best player in San Diego, but uh, he was one of my favorite, uh, always willing to chat. Uh, he's a fer- fellow Liverpool supporter from Liverpool. Uh, so we got to sing. There's a scouser on our team, which is always great. Um, we also got told that Tory green kits are coming. Uh, so we don't have to share kit colors with Orange County anymore, which I know confuses some people as well. Um, so a lot of the things that I were on my wish list are like coming true. Uh, I just would like someone who can score some goals is I think on my Christmas wish list for San Diego is a, is someone in the Miguel Berry mold. Uh, fun, exciting young guy that you can get going and then launch onto his career. As far as USL is concerned, um, I really liked the... Um, uh, some of the initiatives that are being put out at the USL uh, summit around uh, engaging around racism and anti-racism. Uh, so that is my Christmas wish list for the USL is to continue engaging in those conversations uh, and really pushing that envelope as far as being willing to even talk about them um, and, and kind of be in that mold. Uh, so I, I'm excited that they're having those conversations. Um, I'm still a little bit hesitant to see what shows up actually in reality and in practice but I'm glad that they're doing that work. Uh, Kaylor, what is your Christmas wish list? Um, well, besides announced Dean, you know, which is obvious at this point. Um, I guess I have two. One is one is USL, one's Birmingham, but slash USL. Um, I'll start with the Birmingham first. I want us to announce a a Super League team or a USLW team. There is a ton of uh, women's talent in uh, Alabama, specifically Birmingham. Our UWS team has multiple uh, multiple girls in the uh, U19 uh, All-11, and that's national and not just Southeast. So actually getting that talent showcase at a higher level will be great. Um, the other thing is USL. And I... Th- I think I just want to say let's not go to a European uh, a European schedule. That sounds absolutely miserable. And because I think it's going to have a lot of consequences like Miami and Phoenix getting even more players because no one wants to go to Hartford or Detroit in the middle of the freaking winter. So <laughs> I would uh, let's not do that. We may we may have to make that a, a subject for another <laughs> another podcast. I know that I live up north now, but there are a lot of people in El Paso sitting sitting at a seven o'clock kickoff at a hundred degrees in the middle of August and who would who would disagree, but oh no, I well, uh I totally get it. I mean in the middle of the summer, I mean Birmingham, Alabama by rainfall is the rainiest city in America. It's rainier than Seattle or Miami or wherever. It's the rainiest city in America. It's the reason why, part of the reason why we're not at BBVA field anymore. You're wrong on that. How am I wrong on that, Harry? Um, what am Man I wrong lives in on? San Antonio. He lives in San Antonio. He's out here braving the heat 
again, <laughs> you're talking. This is again maybe a conversation for another time. But the people who will disagree with this are the people that are starting who will get better free agents because no one wants to go to Hartford in the winter. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm winter, summer. Let's bring it all on. <laughs> Let's in just year do round a calendar. <laughs> yeah, just no stopping, <laughs> just nonstop, no off season. Just we're just here. We're doing it different in the USL. We're here to raise our game. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we officially petition to make that the new the bring back that slogan? Because that was truly peak USL. Was back when we were raising our game trademark. <laughs> <laughs> no one's. You might be right on that, Harry. Um, but I think that really is all of our uh, topics that we had lined up. So just kind of let's wrap it up. Uh, Alan, you're not Ryan. Um, what uh, What's the last words you got for everybody listening? Um, I missed the uh, goodbye to the Evans uh, podcast because I was not feeling super great. Uh, and then I felt terrible about not being there. Uh, so I just wanted to take a, a moment to uh, thank Pony and Evan, especially Phil. Phil was the guy who kind of really pushed me to get into this. Uh, so those we stand on the the shoulders of somewhat giants, giants, if you will, uh, in the soccer community. I have a lot of love for those guys. Uh, we've talked music. We've talked soccer. Uh, we've I've sent them some alcohol at one point. Uh, so I just wanted to, just to take a brief moment just to thank them uh, for bringing me in and then uh, and wish them the best. Uh, and we hope to see them soon. All right, Phil, what's some what's some lasting words you want to leave with the people? Yeah, I mean, say, same same deal. I think this is this is a platform that we all we all get to sort of, you know, inherit in one way or another. And, and the fact that the fact that you know, the beautiful game network in the USL show exists is just, it's the reason that seriously loco was able to be like as much of a thing that it is. And so, um, yeah, I'm so grateful to the, to the, the last era of the show for, for giving us the chance to do this new era. And, and, um, yeah, so shout out to those guys. Um, cause ultimately they, they've made a lot of this possible and, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I, I'm hoping for, um, you know, I hope tomorrow morning we all wake up to a to a, another message from a GM chiding a player for taking a contract <laughs> at another team. So, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go to go to bed with those type of wishes, Christmas wishes in my head. John, what you got for the folks? Yeah, I mean, obviously, shout out to the last generation of the USL show here. I mean, it was a joy to listen to always, and I do especially just want to shout out. Uh, the last iteration of a Phil host for all the help he gave with the USL tactic show every week for me, like just completely invaluable um, to go completely off topic. I just basically got back from uh, going to see Spider-Man before this. So no spoilers, but oh my God, go see Spider-Man. That was. <laughs> That's what I've heard from everybody. I haven't, I'm not a big movie person. So I just, but I really enjoy listening to my friends talk about the movies. And so I just end up finding out what happens anyway. And they usually give me all the good bits. So I don't have to listen to the parts that, or I don't have to watch all the parts that aren't as good. So it's basically like cliff notes, but my friends get to tell me about it. It's great. 
Um, yeah, like everybody said, it's the new era is here, but we wouldn't be here without the old guys, you know. The last week with the Evans, you know, giving us their goodbyes, it was it was kind of hard to listen to, even though I was right there, you know, listening to it live. It's just like, wow, this really is the end of an era. But I'm super excited about this new era coming up. We still have two guys who are who are going to be joining us live. One of them's Ryan. You all know Ryan. He actually has some really cool stuff in the pipeline that are that's going to be coming to the YouTube channel. So subscribe to that. Um, and the other one is Gio, which everybody knows because they lost to him on FIFA. Literally everybody, even people who don't play FIFA, like John, they still he still lost to Gio somehow. That's just what happens. Um, there's a lot of really fun stuff on the way. We're ex- I want to announce everything that we're planning, but maybe some things are better just to be surprises along the way. Uh, this is the end of the first ever USL show of the new era. Thank you, everybody who listened, who's been in the chat. Uh, and if you're listening to this as a podcast, hey, get in the chat. Let's have some fun. This is something we're planning to do more regularly. And join the Discord. It's already a lot of fun. Check it out. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. It's been the USL Show.